another episode of I Want You To Watch This. I am your host, Dennis, and as always, I am with my two co-hosts, Colin and Craig. How are you both? What's up, Dennis? Uh, hey, not a lot. Just uh, finished watching this movie, Catch Me If You Can, this morning. Ah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's a long movie, guys. So it is, it is two and a half movie. hours. Uh, before I talk more about it, um, I'm going to pass this movie off uh, to... Uh, oh, this is the third installment of our biopic block, and it is a pick by Colin. So I'm going to pass it off to Colin for the introduction. All right. So Catch Me If You Can is a movie from 2002. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. It tells the true story of Frank William Abagnale Jr. Um, in 1963, a teenage Frank Abagnale, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, lives in New Rochelle, New York, with his father, Frank Abagnale Sr., played by Christopher Walken, and French mother, Paula, played by Natalie Bay. When Frank Sr. is denied a business loan at Chase Manhattan Bank due to unknown difficulties with the IRS, the family is forced to move from their large home to a small apartment. Paula carries on an affair with Jack, played by James Brolin, a friend of her husband. Meanwhile, Frank poses as a substitute teacher in his French class. Frank's parents file for a divorce, and Frank runs away. When he runs out of money, he begins relying on confidence scams to get by. Soon, Frank cons increase, and he even impersonates an airline pilot. He forges a Pan Am payroll check and succeeds in stealing over $2.8 million. Meanwhile, Carl Hanratty, played by Tom Hanks, an FBI fraud agent, begins tracking Frank. Carl and Frank meet at a hotel where Frank convinces Carl his name is Barry Allen of the Secret Service and that he is also after the fraud. Frank leaves, Carl angrily realizing a minute too late that he has been fooled Later, at Christmas, Carl is still at work when Frank calls him, attempting to apologize for duping Carl. Carl rejects his apology and tells him he will soon be caught, but laughs when he realizes Frank actually called him because he has no one else to talk to. Frank hangs up and Carl continues to investigate, suddenly realizing, thanks to a waiter, that the name Barry Allen is from the Flash comic books and Frank is actually a teenager. Frank, meanwhile, has expanded his con to include identities as a doctor and a lawyer, while playing Dr. Frank Connors, he falls in love with Brenda, played by Amy Adams. And while asking her father, Martin Sheen, for permission to marry her, he admits the truth about himself and asks for help with the Louisiana State Bar Exam. Carl tracks him to a, an, an engagement party, and Frank is able to sneak out of the bedroom window minutes before Carl bursts in. Before leaving, Frank makes Brenda promise to meet him in Miami two days later so that they can elope. Frank sees her waiting for him two days later, but he also notices plainclothes agents waiting to arrest him. Realizing he has been set up, he escapes on a flight to Europe. Seven months later, Carl shows, shows his boss that Frank has been forging checks all over Western Europe and asks for permission to go to Europe to look for him. When his boss refuses, Carl brings Frank's checks to printing professionals who claim that the checks were printed in France. From an interview with Frank's mother, Carl remembers that she was born in Montrachon, France. He goes there and locates Frank and tells him that the French police will kill him if he does not go out with Carl quietly. Frank assumes he is lying at first, but Carl promises Frank he would never lie to him, and Carl takes him outside where the French police escort him to prison. The scene then flashes forward to a plane returning Fr Frank home from prison. When Carl informs him that his father has died, Grief-stricken Frank escapes from the plane and goes back to his old house when he finds his mother with the man she left his father for 
as well as a girl who Frank realizes is his half-sister. Frank gives himself up, is sentenced to 12 years in prison, getting visits from time to time from Carl. When Frank points out how one of the checks Carl is carrying as evidence is fake, Carl convinces the FBI to give Frank a deal by which he can live out the remainder of his sentence working for the bank fraud department of the FBI, which Frank accepts. While working with the FBI, Frank misses the thrill of the chase and even attempts to fly as an airline pilot again. He is cornered by Carl, who insists that Frank will return to the FBI job since no one is chasing him. On the following Monday, Carl is nervous that Frank has not yet arrived to work. However, Frank eventually arrives and they discuss their next case. The ending credits reveal that Frank has been happily married for 26 years, has three sons, lives in the Midwest, is still good friends with Carl, and has caught some of the world's most elusive money forgers and earns millions of dollars each year becoming, because of his work creating unforgeable checks. So that is uh, basically the synopsis of Catch Me If You Can. Um, and it was long because this movie is long. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Um, but it's good. It's, yeah, it's a very it's good, really movie. well it done. Just, it's super long. Yeah, it's um, it's a great example of Spielberg as a master filmmaker. Right off the bat, excellent film score or music score. Yeah, that's um one of the only um, <coughs> Oscar nominations this movie had. It was nominated uh, John Williams for best original score, and it was nominated Christopher Walken for best supporting actor. Did he win that? He did not. Did no. that, nothing uh, won, but it had those two nominations. Wow. It's so. funny, because uh, for a second when they did the cold open and it was like they were talking about, um, I think he was like in that prison in France or somewhere in Europe. Yeah, um, it's in France. And um, and then we kind of cut to uh, when he's younger and they called up like Frank Abagnale and it was uh, Christopher Walken. And for a split second, I was like, Oh, are we gonna get to see like Leonardo DiCaprio doing a walk-in impression? Because <laughs> I thought he was like impersonating yeah. him for a minute. And then I, was I would like, like it if the movie had that. If, <laughs> yeah. if Leo, no, if Leo just went from two little mice yeah. fell into a vat of cream. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, so Craig, uh, you're dressed as a full-on seven forty-seven aircraft. Uh, just bravo again, bringing it with these. Uh, costumes of set pieces. So what? Uh, so what I am is actually I am. Uh, so I built a larger but smaller, still to scale model of one, mm-hmm. and I've even taken the time to soak off the Pan Am label on the back <laughs> of my wing, just you know for that little extra touch. So, yeah, so I was you're wondering how you became a Pan Am plane because Pan Am doesn't even exist anymore, <laughs> and it was like, wow, that's dedication. Yeah, that, that's it's high quality right there. Not only are you a, a model plane, but you're the model plane that uh, Frank Abigail took this decal off of. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's impressive. That's some fucking. Like, I thought about coming as a forged check, but you know, I just yeah, I had to go with the plane. You know? Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you did. Well, uh, Colin uh, also didn't disappoint with his costume uh, as Brenda, Amy Adams' character. Um, 
I really love right. your, your wig and uh, it, the braces course, really your, hurt. Your braces, yes, I yeah. see. You know, yeah, I mean, your like, mouth is bleeding constantly. Yeah, like you um, just yeah. got those done. I would take it like what yesterday. Yeah, like, well, it's, my it's, teeth were perfectly fine, but I insisted on right. getting the braces anyway. Yeah, because I wanted to be true to this. And costume. your yeah. your wig man did that, right? I mean, obviously, yes. no professional. Oh no, I didn't. Right. I, yeah. I, I did, no, 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 no. I didn't go. To <laughs> oh, I see it now. I got my wig guy to do the braces as well. He did a very poor job. Uh, but I mean, you know, you're bleeding all over the place. Well, it's it's just part of the dedication to to this costume and to this podcast. Honestly, yeah, well, we are dedicated. Um, but speaking of costumes and dedication, uh, Dennis, that is just a terrific um, Tom Hanks as uh, Carl Carl Hanratty costume. Um, Thank you. Love the Thank hat, you. the glasses. Um, you've, you've you've stopped doing it since we started recording, but up until now, you were doing that accent all morning oh that boston accent yeah. that kind of yeah. comes and goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, i've been i've been kind of working on that um you know every once in a while i'll say car normally and then i'll Cat. say ha ha um, and yeah you told that same uh knock knock joke like about six times oh well go fuck knock, yourself knock. <laughs> um my boston accent is horrible <laughs> <laughs> but I am like black and gay, so that's like the complete opposite of anything Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, speaking of that um, knock knock joke, the knock knock go fuck yourself, that is an excellent use of your one F bomb in a PG 13 movie. Yeah. And, and they do it once, they call it back, but they don't actually say fuck no, again. Yeah. They just yeah. do like. Would you like to hear a joke? Knock, knock, and then they cut away. And I'm like, oh, that's really clever and that good. But clever. like, you do get one you do get fuck one. in a PG-13, and they milk that one. Yep. So really good. Well, um, Spielberg is arguably the reason for the PG-13 rating. With He uh, is the reason right. for the PG-13 rating. It was a reaction to Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yep. Well, that it was Temple of Doom and another movie as well. Uh, but Poltergeist, I believe. Uh, that was PG. I, I think that's still... Well, no, it was PG, and Temple of Doom is PG, but because of those movies, oh, they, they created the PG-13 rating. Right. Yep. Um, sure has a bunch of, like, moms riding in the street. Yep. So, <laughs> Highlands mommies. Yeah. So, yeah this oh, guys, let's not let's not get on their not list, the list, oh, They right. will shut this they podcast are, they down. They are very nice people. It's a very nice group of people who are not making fun of anyone. They're not the Highlands Mafia. No, yeah. no. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into uh, Catch, catch Me Can. Uh, this movie had a budget of $52 million, had a gross of $337 million. Um, I'd say that's successful. Oscar nominations, very successful, a uh, huge hit. Um, one thing I'm going to dive into real quickly is the differences between the movie and real life Frank Abagnale and uh, others. Um, in real life, Frank Abagnale never saw his father again after that family court scene where they had him choose between who he's going to live with and he just runs away. Um, in the movie, they have him returning to see his father over and over again. In real life, Frank Abagnale never saw his father again. Real life, Frank Abagnale also taught for a brief time at Brigham Young University. Wow. Um, uh, real life, Frank Abagnale is responsible for developing technologies that still are used today on checks, driver's licenses, car titles, and birth certificates. He, um, with, Because he was such a successful forger, he was able to create things to prevent 
forgery that are still used. Um, Carl Hanratty is not a real person, but Carl Hanratty was a composite of a number of FBI agents who worked to catch Abagnale, most notably Agent Joseph Shea. So that was just complete and total BS at the end when they said that him well, and Carl when they say friends. that him and Carl are still yeah. friends, I think they're talking about him and uh, Frank Shea are still friends. Uh, That's okay. one of the things when I was uh, researching the differences between the movie and real life, I was trying, I was having trouble with. I was like, but Carl Hanratty isn't real, so what are they talking about? Him and Carl are still friends. And as far as I can conclude, it must be him and Frank Shea are still friends. Um, they did have an FBI agent as a technical advisor on this movie. His name was Bill Rader, and um, he spoke very specifically about how accurate um, a lot of this movie was, specifically the production design and a lot of just the way everything looks. What, this guy was an FBI agent in the 60s, and he said, he said it was like getting in a time machine being on the set of this movie because everything looked exactly like it did. Oh, cool. I like yeah. that. Um, I thought there were like these little phrases like the like fun thing where it was just like <laughs> i know that's a like a i guess a common phrase with my air quotes that no one can see well but... like fun isn't but that's a mike verbiglia joke with like, yeah well the, no that's the thing is like, like fun you're gonna do that oh yeah that's like a phrase fun. that people like use though i'm pretty sure it's like a like a weird like it sounds like a midwestern thing yeah like, it might yeah be because it's a thing. It was like, like hell, you'll do that. But instead, she's saying, like fun. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, like little things like that. And I totally felt like, um, <laughs> in the weirdest way, I have like a little flashback to Moonlight, just because the dad was like this, like horrible, like father figure of a character, and yet, like. Frank Jr. still looked up to him and, like, still ended up, like, falling into those same right. shoes. And so it reminded me of, like, Chiron and Juan. Like, yeah, how it's yeah, like yeah, this a is a bit. horrible example that you're setting, but you're, like, the only, like, father figure in this person's life. Chris and so despite all of, like, and also Christopher Walken oh my actively, God. like, he wants him to be, oh, oh, yeah, like, yeah. to continue to do this, whereas Juan Yeah, well, like, there's that, that whole scene where he's, like, tell me to stop, tell me to stop, like, you can't stop, Frank. Yeah. yeah. You gotta <laughs> keep going. <laughs> to the moon, Frank. They'll uh, never catch you. I don't think, and this is one of those rules, this is one of those rules where I don't think Walken is acting. I think he's just playing himself. <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Because he's such a weirdo. Well, he's I love him in a, it, Oh, though. he's great. Like, he's I love like the things like you'll never take. You can't like the Yankees always win because no one can take their eyes off those pinstripes. Right, and you you get that uh, Abagnale is actually getting up the confidence scheme thing from his dad because his dad does the thing with the necklace. Yeah, like it must have slipped right off your neck. Oh, and, right. Like, gets yeah. the lady to open up the store that he can borrow a suit. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it was like in that moment it was like it was like there was like always like the dad was like oh yeah he's kind of a dick he's like you know whatever like and then in that moment when he's like talking about like you know the fbi and like oh yeah like you got him on the run like i was like oh he's completely delusional oh I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I was like i was like i thought he was like a little off and it was like in that moment when frank is like when he tells Frank that the FBI, Frank Jr., that the FBI came and was looking for him, and then he's like, oh, shit, I need to stop. And he's right. like, no, you got him on the run. And right. it's like, no, you're completely delusional. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my first things was that it's a really long opening titles, which it, bodes to a really long movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet opening titles, though. Oh, they're yeah. great. You rarely like, see The animation is so cool. Yeah. I and really like that. And the score is great. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. It's just very long. Very long. Um, 
I I don't know if I like Leonardo DiCaprio. It, like this is he's a great actor. Um, he is really good in this movie. Um, he's cast well, but I I don't know if I can like him. I don't know. I like him. Do you like... like the character or like? No, it's just like the intangible thing that happens sometimes. Yeah, where it's just like I, I like him a lot. I I totally yeah. buy him as this confidence man. I totally buy him. As oh, he slays character. it. He kills uh, it. I I think it's great. But uh, yeah, I really do like him. And um, when you see video or things of the real Frank Abagnale, he also seems like a really charming, really likable guy who you could get how he could get away with this. Right. And white privilege and good looks goes a long way. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I was like, <laughs> I was like, goddamn, like this guy has accomplished more at seventeen than I have in like my twenty-eight years of life. Like as a con man, right? Like, he's well, like <laughs> that's the other thing. Like all the events of this movie, all of that took place before his twenty-first birthday. Right. He did all of that before he turned twenty-one. Like, like between uh, sixteen and twenty-one, he did like he became a doctor, a lawyer, a pilot. Uh, well, didn't become, university, but... Well, yeah, he <laughs> spoke with yeah. conviction, too. Yeah. Like, doctor, lawyer, uh, airline pilot, university professor. Yeah, and he, like, learned, like, how to be a doctor watching, like, you know, like, the general hospital. But he didn't you know? actually yeah. have <laughs> to do any medicine when he was impersonating a doctor. He was just supervising the shifts of the residents. Yeah. And that's what happens in the one scene when he comes in. This is one of the things I wrote down, because I remembered this as a line that I liked, um when I watched this young as a younger person I was like why didn't I concur because there's this scene where the kid's got a broken leg and it's like it's like oh my god like really drastic thing and he's like trying not to throw up because he's not prepared for this right. yeah. and then he's like and he goes one of the residents gives like oh, the boy has a broken ankle from this thing doctor do you concur and it's like well, the kid said so. <laughs> it was like, I say, see, we treat it this way. And he's like, good, not much reason for me. And he just walks away and the guy, the guy is like kicking him. So going, why didn't I concur? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speak with conviction. I, I have a note. I think I actually wrote it right after that scene. It's uh, charis- charisma plus white privilege plus good looks plus 60s equals this movie. <laughs> uh, it was really just the perfect storm for this guy to get away with, with all this stuff. And, and, yeah it's it's one of those things that this movie probably would be so ridiculous if it wasn't based on a true story um just the fact that like you know it keeps going and it's just over the top almost at at points where you're almost like yeah right he would get away again yeah and no he did like he actually did well it's funny because it's like there's like times where he like is literally like bluffing with the truth so it's like that time when he calls uh, Carl on, uh, on like Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve and he tells and him where like, he tells is. Him where he is. Uh, and then like when he goes and meets with um, Amy Adams' character, Brenda, uh, Brenda's father, to like ask for his hand, her hand in marriage, and he like literally is just like, "I'm none of these things." Yeah, he says, like, "I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a pilot. I'm just a kid who's in love with your daughter." And then Martin Sheen's like. You're just like me. You're such a romantic. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and marry my daughter. And he's like, no, I was just really being honest with you. And it's like, oh, no, you, you rascal, you. Like, And it's like, yeah, there's like moments where it's like, it's like, not, it's like, you can see how it, at the same time it'd be easy for him to like con people, like having such like a charming personality. Because first of all, like people are just like, 
will see what they want to see, like, regardless. Like, right. he doesn't even have to lie to them, like, in, in certain points because people, like, I've already just, like, have this image. Yeah. And he just, like, doesn't even have to worry about it in a lot of instances. And, like, he just completely bluffs his way through so many things. And it's it's amazing. Like, I, I just, I am still, like, astounded by, like, how much he did in that short period of time like five years <laughs> just speak with conviction and be white yeah like, um easy uh <laughs> poor brenda uh, oh I, I, I feel i actually wrote down I, it's so heartbreaking like when he leaves her at the window and then he has to leave her again at the airport because he sees like the right. plain clothes agents who are there to catch him I'm like, like oh well, man well brenda that, shouldn't have snitched that <laughs> poor yeah. girl but no, like joking. her whole her whole story is just so sad like no yeah well like she like her dad's golf friend sleeps with her and gets her pregnant no 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 she slept with someone we don't know who she slept with the golf she got pregnant but her the, did the abortion her, yeah her dad's doctor friend oh. who he golfs with performed the abortion Oh, and then okay. she gets ostracized by her family. And See, like, I thought her par- I thought her family was even more of a monster, no, and that her no, dad's no. friend slept with her, got her no, pregnant, no. and then had her get an ab- yeah. It was just okay. she was shunned by them because she got pregnant and had an abortion. So there's still monsters. No, there's still monsters. Oh, right. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, Amy Adams playing Brenda is so adorable in this movie. And it's, oh, it's one of her... A, I love Amy Adams. Oh, I do too. It, and it's one of her first movies. It's only like her third or so uh, film that she had been in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there are so many, like... Uh, I mean, the other women in this movie that are like pretty big names now were pretty much just like sex toys in the movie. But... Like a super young Elizabeth Banks Yeah, Elizabeth as well. Banks. Also, oh, yeah. Garner. also one of her first movies. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. Is that um, Jennifer Garner? Yeah. Okay. yeah. That was a strange scene where she all of a sudden becomes a prostitute. Yeah, <laughs> she's a model. I, actually, I wrote down like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio banging models. That's very much like real life yeah. because it's, all he does is like have sex with models. The pussy posse. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, Amy Acker is in this movie for like literally a flash, and it's funny because they actually use her last name in the movie as her character. They, they don't use her first name, so in the movie she's Maggie Acker. She's like one of the pers- one of the flight attendants that gets selected for his program to oh, be wow. like the oh. shield as he like walks out to distract everyone, like distract their penises. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, no, in the um, the Assassin's Creed scene. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> yes. oh my god, he yes. hires a bunch <laughs> of uh, flight attendants to like flank around him and blend into the crowd, just like the video game Assassin's Creed. Wow, I knew that looked familiar. But yeah, Amy Acker uh, is one of those. She never like really gets like shown, but they use her last name in the movie. Huh. <laughs> uh, I, I that's the scene. I really wonder uh, if that actually happened in real life. Where yeah, he, where he, yeah. There's I some... mean, because that feels like it was a really short period of time. I don't know how Thank long you. that yeah. was actually taking place. Because it could have been like they were like doing this over like days or. But, right. It was but, one of those things where like uh, it, this happens in movies in shitty movies all the time, where like uh, one group of the of the cast is like doing something that looks like it's only taking like a few hours, whereas the other half is like doing shit that looks like it takes months. Yeah. And then they <laughs> conclude at the same time, you know. And and that that was the scene that it felt like, you know, DiCaprio was doing this whole like beauty pageant thing you know to pick like women to help them escape and everything and it looks like it takes months and where meanwhile uh, uh, I, could, I could buy that only taking like hours or taking like a day yeah i guess but i don't know it just felt 
It felt a little disjointed. Yeah. No, I, I won't argue with all <laughs> Oh, Light Bloom. Lots of Light Bloom in this movie. I remember it. It's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I so check forgery used to be really easy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like wow. The first oh, one's when he's like starting to forge checks, he's just like scratching numbers off and like changing them with a pen. And yeah, like, oh wow, you could get away with that back then. And it's actually it is true, but also the reason why you can't now is it's because, because of, of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> because Frank Abagnale is like, oh yeah, here's how we make it so you can't do these super easy things that I did. Um, <laughs> When he was forging those Pan Am payroll checks, he actually did do it just that way. He would take decals off of Pan Am like models and stick them onto the checks and just do the rest of it basically with a typewriter. And that's how he made Pan Am checks that he would cash like $2.8 million oh, worth wow. of payroll checks wow. like that. Yeah, because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure those planes probably cost, you know, at the time, like a dollar, two dollars. Oh, probably less. Yeah, and yeah. and he's like, every one of those little decals is a $300 like $300. Check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I, and I loved, I was like, uh, I was like, of course this is like Cullen's movie, because it's like James Bond of the sky. Oh, it's super and I was James like, Bond. And I was like, oh, of course this is Cullen's movie. like references to James Bond. They show clips from Goldfinger. He goes out and buys an Aston Martin DB5 and is driving around in, in a it. suit. And in then the Sean Connery Jennifer suit. Gardner. Yes. In an awkward it's prostitute like, scene. That's why I love this movie. And part of this is, um, I think, one of Spielberg's things of Spielberg always wanted to do a James Bond movie and never did or never could so i think he's getting some of that out in this movie he was like this is my this is my production really guys like anytime you want to call <laughs> yeah. me for a bond movie yeah. i'm here yeah come on Eon i'm steven fucking spielberg but you guys <laughs> part of the reason why spielberg won't be able to do a bond movie is that um eon productions doesn't like giving um their stuff to auteur directors directors who want that much control over it so that's why it won't happen but going back to this movie and not james bond um, <laughs> uh, the scene when he's doing the interview with the guy from pan am that didn't actually happen because he says what does it mean when one pilot says to another pilot what kind of equipment are you on in real life that was a goof that frank abagnale did because he was at a different airport that pan am doesn't operate out of and um, he saw a bunch of pilots there, and they're like, what are you doing here for Pan Am? Pan Am doesn't fly out of here. And he's like, oh, I'm just catching something here, and then I'm going back over to LaGuardia or whatever. And they said, what kind of equipment are you on? And he said something, like, totally wrong, because he didn't know that they were asking, what kind of plane are you flying? Uh. And so that's how he learned about that. How he actually became a pilot was just the uniform scene. He was out in front of the Pan Am building, and he thought, oh, I could do that so he just called pan am and said i lost my uniform and they sent him to this other place to get him a uniform huh. and he forged yeah he forged all the rest of the stuff but yeah that's how he became a pilot it's just he got a uniform and just showed up i feel like uh frank abagnale like ruined the con game for like generations after because it's like yeah he was like the fucking like best and it's like all of these like security measures now i can see just being like oh yeah like yeah, we'll, we'll just tell you where to get your uniform. It's like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't happen anymore. I need a ID. <laughs> yeah, uh, when he I'm shows need a, up, yeah, mag strip like verification. <laughs> like, yeah, you, we actually have to have an ID number, and you have to enter into these things. Um, 
when he shows up on the plane and they say you look too young to be a pilot that wasn't really a thing that happened because even as a young man he had a few gray hairs so he still looked like older to a lot of people and that's part of why he was able to get away with pos posing as a pilot and a doctor and a lawyer huh i really like that scene too um towards the end when uh, he and Carl are in France and he's in his like little bunker counterfeit den and he's like they're like, bl like bluffing he's like bluffing him like telling him that there's like you know two dozen French police oh, officers yeah, that's outside great. and He's like, you know, like, you wouldn't lie to me, like, would you? And he's like, no. He's like, well, you lied about the ring. And and then he's like, this, like, whole scene. And I thought that, um, yeah, Tom Hanks in that scene, I fucking loved just how convincing, like, it was. Even, like, having, like, watched him walk in, I was like, wait, were there cops out there? Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, no, no, there weren't. I, weren't had, yeah. I had to keep reminding myself because he was, like, so convincing. It's so good. And then he brings him out and there's no cops and – Frank is like, bravo, Carl. Like, well done. <laughs> but then the cops do show up, and the cop who actually comes and puts Leo in the car is the real Frank Abagnale. Oh. Really? Yes. Huh. Uh, he, they didn't, he didn't want to do a cameo in it, but uh, Spielberg kind of insisted and made him just do – they were like, we're just going to do this one simple thing. You won't even have a line, but that's the real Frank Abagnale, the guy wearing, like, the hat who comes up and puts him in the car. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, there was a joke that I caught this time that I didn't catch uh, before, which is really great. When they're going to catch um, Frank at the hotel, um, Tom Hanks says to the two other FBI agents, do this and I'll buy you both a good humor bar. And then in the next scene, they're in the FBI offices and both of them are eating good humor bars. <laughs> so he did buy he them. He did follow through <laughs> on buying them a good humor oh, bar. Um. Yeah, I just, uh, just, I, I need to, I need to comment on the so much white privilege. I mean, oh, yeah. God, like the fact he gets out and that he's like now a millionaire, like, and he stole so much money. Yeah, yeah. so much money. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, like, it's one of those things where, yeah, that definitely played into it because. Yeah, there's no way. Like, it was if a black person or any person of color did they'd that, be they, shot. They, yeah, they would just be. Yeah, they'd be at the bottom of a cell at the very least. Like, and I do think, like, at the same time, it was pretty awesome that he was just like that fucking good to where you know they do do that now still even where you know they have like you know the white hat hackers where you know they bring people in where it's like okay, well, you're really good at hacking. Let's get you on the right side of it. Um, so it's it, it was something that I was like, that's pretty cool that he actually got to do that. But at the same time, that would never happen no. to like anyone that wasn't a white man, right. <laughs> especially like in what nineteen sixty three to sixty nine or yeah. seventy is when he got caught. <laughs> so it was like in the seventies is when he like got bailed out by the FBI or whatever. Yeah, it's just like because I mean you watch The Wire and people that like start working with the cops and stuff and they promise them all this shit. Like, after they stop helping them, like, they don't really set them up or anything. Yeah, They're just no. like, thanks for your help. Good luck out there. Yeah, and, yeah. good luck not getting killed yeah. by all these people you snitched and, on. And this guy is <laughs> able to become a multimillionaire and live comfortably in the Midwest. Like, fuck. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, he became a millionaire as a consultant. Like, he, he wasn't paid all that money by the FBI. I but know. No, the fact he, that he, he was made his money by that. consulting yeah. with other companies in fraud prevention. But... But, but still, even the fact, the fact that he was, that able, he to was able to do that is grossly a, a thing of white privilege. Right. <laughs> um, 
I have just a few other little notes. <laughs> the other line that made me laugh really hard is when he's escaped. He's running away from Amy Adams and he's saying, I'm not anything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not anything. I'm not a Lutheran. I'm not anything of this. And then the thing she walks in and says, Frank, you're not a Lutheran. You're not a Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> that made me That's laugh what out loud. She was my favorite. That was, yeah, that was the thing that probably took her over. She's like, oh, no. Wait, you're not a Lutheran. <laughs> um, she, was, she was my favorite. I love... I love when he like busts out the he's like trying to explain everything like super super fast so they can get the fuck out and he like busts out the big old suitcase filled with money and just like opens it up and she just looks and it's like Frank where'd you get all that money yeah. <laughs> and he's like explaining it and she's just like ah. <laughs> I also love um they're in the airport all the FBI agents are trying to catch him and there's one of them says well he doesn't have a passport and Tom Hanks says in the last six months he's gone to Harvard and Berkeley I think he can get a passport <laughs> Harvard and Berkeley in the last six months he's gone to Harvard and Berkeley I think he can get a passport I have to point out um, Gilmore Girls connections as well as I point out James Bond connections <laughs> please do um, so Nancy Linehan uh, the actress who plays Amy Adams's mom uh, plays the um, bed and breakfast operator yes. in oh, Road Trip to Harvard, man. Gilmore Girls. Um, she's also in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, uh, Pleasantville, and Adaptation. Oh. Uh, I also wrote down that the uh, the party scene, when they cut to like, oh, Frank is like, got it made, and he's wearing like that orange sweater vest, and people are making like fondue, and he's like having a pool party. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's how I picture Leonardo DiCaprio's real life. It's just <laughs> oh, like a yeah. constant party like that, and everyone's having sex with models. <laughs> yep. Well, anyone that like hangs out with a group of people that collectively call themselves the Pussy Posse. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to be affiliated with people like that. <laughs> Do you though? No. Do you really? Not, <laughs> no. not in real life. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, all right. Well, shit. That wraps me up. As yeah. Far as I'm, these notes go. I'm pretty done. How about you guys? For um, 2002's yeah. Catch Me If You Can. I was thinking, I was like, is Frank Sr. like, I felt like that was like, <laughs> I felt like that relationship could have been very like similar to... <laughs> Donald Trump's like father, like the con man thing. Like this is how you gotta do it, son. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. passing on that shitty shittiness. <laughs> At least this movie had soul. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps us up for um, Catch Me If You Can, which also wraps us up for our third part and final part of our biopic block. So uh, thanks for joining us for all of that. Uh, next up, we will move into uh, our thriller block. Thriller in the night. So Dennis, what's our? I'll kick it up with my selection, and that is Gone Girl. It is a David Fincher movie from um, David Finch Fisher Fisher, not Fincher Fisher. He's a Fisher, not a Fincher. Um, from 2014. I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know much about it, except for the director, and that it came out then. So yeah, that'll kick us off for our thriller block. Cool, cool. That will be the next block. Um, moving away from that, do we have any corrections and remissions from last week? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> nothing I can no, think of. Not, not now. I... I might come up with some at a later date, but for right. now. Uh, I can remember I from 45 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, on to recommendations then. Um, what do you guys got? I'm going to once again be recommending a podcast. Uh, it's called Dead Pilot Society. If you are a fan of uh, the Blacklist Table Reads, this is very much like that. It's um, the best uh, <clears throat> TV writers uh, get together and they put out um, pilots that have been purchased but were never produced. So it's table reads of great Ooh, TV like pilots that. that were never see the light of day. So they get uh, really funny people to do table reads of these. It's really good. I will recommend Context of Sound. It is a podcast. It's a music podcast uh, with Sam Sparrow and Thomas Francisco. Um, essentially, they talk about music, inspiration, experiences, interpreting like modern music and history. Fun, fun. Um, and yeah, Sam Sparrow is one of my favorite singers and musicians, songwriters, like period. So... Anything that he does, I'm all about it. Cool. Mm. All right. Well, um, I am going to recommend um, StarCraft Two. It's a video game. Cool. Sure, you heard of it. Pretty popular. Um, it's an RTS. I'm just getting back into those, and so I was kind of playing that the other day, and I remembered how much fucking fun it is. Really annoying community. Don't don't pay attention to that. Nah, just, you just always have to mute your mic online anymore. Yeah. Just... <laughs> it's pretty terrible out there. If you're if you're a gamer online, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're one of the dicks. And then... <laughs> yeah, then I guess you're in a fucking... You're... Then I guess your life probably yeah. just sucks. <laughs> then, then you suck. Yeah. <laughs> That's why all I'm playing right now is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, There's yeah. no online! I'm Yay! on Witcher 3 right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, how's that? How's oh, it's so much fun. You having fun with that? Oh my god, it is fantastic. Right I I can't recommend. I I was gonna recommend Far Cry Three, but like I'm, I'm I'm having fun with it. But it is so much like white boy like douchebaggery involved. <laughs> like you're this dude with like tribal tattoos from Southern California, and you're saving a, like a like a Southeast Asian island from like these pirates, like. And you're some chosen dude. And well, of course. I mean, right? Because all of these, you know, because all of the locals. Yeah, I mean, if they're, they're not gonna, white. Like, yeah, they, they they can't save themselves. They can't they save themselves. No. Them. <laughs> yeah, or a Khaleesi. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, <laughs> that wraps up. Uh, that'll be episode fifteen. Uh, episode fifteen, and also our uh, our biopic block. Thank you for joining us for Catch Me If You Can. And please join us next week for our kickoff of our thriller block with Gone Girl. Thank you again. And, oh, um, <laughs> to close off, uh, you can catch all of our episodes of I Want You to Watch This at soundcloud.com forward slash IWITWT. And you can follow us on Twitter. On our Twitter handle is at want you to watch this with the letter U and the number two. And join us on Facebook for Movie Talk, uh, facebook.com forward slash IWITWT. And if you're a fan of what you hear, please write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps us grow our audience. Um, all right. Well, as I said, please join us next week for our thriller block with Gone Girl. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everybody. Just a few things I forgot to mention before I wrapped up that episode. 
You can follow all of us on Twitter now, uh, individually. Um, you can follow Craig at Catharticus. You can follow Cullen at Cullen Munch. And you can follow myself at The D-Bucks. Um, I'm also going to start promoting some local artists and musicians that I know here from Denver, Colorado. And probably those abroad as well, uh, if I know anyone outside of the state that is an entertainer, musician, or artist. So, um, please follow uh, my good friend uh, Mira Fears. She's got some great music coming out. You can follow her on Twitter at Mira Fears, or you can buy some of her music and listen to it at mirafears.bandcamp.com. Um, I know a poet. The poet goes by the name of Maria Berardi. Uh, she's got a fresh, fresh new poem published at theopiatemagazine.com. It is titled Threshold. I think she's going to be writing more stuff, too, so look look her up. Um, also, I got a artist friend, uh, Colin Parson. He's doing a big art installation in downtown Denver in Lodo. Uh, should be finished by the end of March. Uh, you can check out the specifics on that art exhibit, as well as examples of other art installations that he's done in the past at www.colinparson.com. And that's Colin spelled with two L's. All right, that'll wrap us up, and thank you so much for joining us for Catch Me If You Can. Join us next week when we kick off our thriller block with Gone Girl. Bye.